Amen. Is everybody happy to be outdoors today? I've had more people tell me, Pastor Chad, even when we can go inside, I don't want to go inside. Well, you can start an outdoor church and I'll come attend with you. I tell you what, though, since we've been out here these last, how many weeks have we been out here? 12 weeks? 10, 12 weeks? Something like that. 8, 9, 10, 12. It really does feel different. Does, does anyone else agree with that? Like, even as we were singing Waymaker, there's this verse in Ephesians chapter 3 that talks about the church's role. One of her roles as the people of God is to declare the wisdom of God as it pertains to what God has accomplished through Jesus Christ, His life, death, and resurrection. The church has a vocation, yes, to share the gospel to people, but also to declare to the heavenly realms what God the Father has accomplished in and through God the Son, Jesus Christ. And there's something about when we sing outside, it feels like Ephesians 3.10 is really happening. Not that it's not happening in the building, but there's something about the moment we're in where there's such a, a tangible sense of a wrestle, a fight, a jostling between principalities and powers and ideologies and theories. And, but as the people of God continue to stand in that place, Declare the wisdom of God, what God the Father has done in and through the sending and the saving power of His Son, Jesus Christ. There's something that happens that pushes back the darkness and it creates a space and a place for God to break in and to have His way. How many want that space and place to be the regular place that you live and operate out of? Just that, that posture and that place of praise and of surrender and yes to the Lord that he could have his way and move. Well, it's just a joy to welcome you. Um, can we again, I, I, I know I gave him a shout out on my email last week, but can we just say thank you to all of the setup and the teardown team and the office administrators and, and so many people and, and brother Steve and T I don't want to start naming, but I could name six or eight people, but just I get here and so much work's done and, and Brother Robert making it look beautiful and, and uh, just, I know to you maybe it just likes, looks like a plot of grass, but there's so much thought and prayer and, and I just want to honor those who work so hard week in and week out. Can we also say thank you? It's been such a joy these eight to ten weeks to have all these different worship leaders. Israel, say thank you to Israel. Say thank you. Obviously, thank you to Jade. Say thank you to Raphael and Karen and, and I don't, you know, many others who've helped with leading in worship and in song. And, and also, just last but not least, thank you to Justin here, our tech guru. And, you know, it's so funny, you know, I was, I was thinking and praying. We were praying before the service, and, and here was one of our prayers. Lord... Turn the crowd that will gather here this morning or online, turn us from a crowd to a congregation. Does everyone understand the difference between a crowd and a congregation? How many believe that we're entering days where we really are going to see how much we really need each other? 
the mutual encouragement, the, the reminding of each other, looking at each other in the eyes and saying, this is who you are in Christ. Don't let anyone talk you out of it. Don't let anyone diminish who you're becoming. You're a project. You're a work in progress. You may have hit a snare or a struggle here, but your story's not over. Get up. Let's keep going. And, and I'm just so excited, you know, for the days that we're in where I believe that churches that have even maybe function as a crowd days, weeks, months, years past, that we're going to step into a kind of congregational life that's going to build your faith, that's going to give you a, an ability to withstand the tests, the trials, the storms that you're facing. How many want to walk into those days with eyes wide open and a heart that's ready to receive all that the Lord has? Well, I love you. I honor you. Uh, just a few quick announcements before I just get into the word for a minute here. Um, again, as we enter into another fall semester, we are, we are beginning to compile some classes, some community groups, both online and in person, in houses, even in the church building. But we just need to know where you're at. So you can go to our website and click Groups. I have created a simple online form that'll give us some really helpful intel. There's also some signups over here. Um, probably looks like at both red tables as well. If you want to uh, physically sign up, um, I want to be in a group. I want to be in a class of some shape or form here in the next few weeks as we launch another fall. Um, we we don't know so much about what is coming down the pipeline, but we want to be more prepared this time than we were five, five months ago. Amen? Four months ago. And so if you will just help us out with that, that'd be super incredible. And I want to just say thank you to those who've continued to give faithfully. Uh, just really, I just received the nicest letter. I, I was out of town this last week, and I had a beautiful letter from uh, a, a, a yellow handwritten note about someone who's just been watching online. They haven't even come in person, but they've been so blessed by the ministry that they gave a gift to Cornerstone Church. And you know, I was just shocked. I just got looked at my desk, and it was a, just a beautiful love gift to our church and the ministry that's continuing. So whether you're watching online or you're here, everyone here, shout amen. amen. If you're here in person or you're watching online, we, wanna, we want you to consider you're not just a viewer. We want you to get into the life and ministry of our church. And so leave a comment on the videos. Shoot us an email. We'll do our best to connect be it digitally or in person or a combination of both, amen. That's the day that we're living in, and we'll do our very best. Well, this week I was reminded of, um, again, Pastor uh, Katie's message last week on the, the power of the, the, the giving our hearts to the battle to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and she unpacked Matthew 25. And go back and watch the teaching. It was a really good teaching about how to... to have be a person that doesn't just um, have a, a lamp, but has a lamp full of oil. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, be that person that's got oil in the lamp. And she unpacked what that means and looks like. You know, I want to continue that conversation a little bit this morning um, about the battle for love. The battle for love. Say that with me. The battle for love. The battle for love. You know, I was reminded in, in days like this, well, first of all, I was reminded of a few years ago, I ran a marathon, and it's, it's a crazy thing to do, 
Why would you do that? Why would you run 26.2 miles and destroy your knees and your back? And, um, but it was amazing. But I remember to kick off the LA Marathon, there is the Marathon Expo Center. Imagine the LA Convention Center from front to back, left to right, with all of the greatest vendors that have anything to do with hydration or the running industry. You have chewy gummy packs of nutrient electrolyte gel. God knows what's even in that stuff. It's supposed to hydrate. You got these chewy things. You've got watches. You've got the best shoes that feels like you're running on air. You've got socks that cost $100. You've got shirts that apparently helps you sweat better. I mean, it's just packed with a thousand, a thousand, I mean, 10,000 vendors. And as one who has been training for five, six months for this race, your coach tells you, yes, be wowed and lured by all the cool gadgets and gizmos that promise shaving time and better nutrition and better hydration, but be careful to add anything new on race day. You want to run the race as you've been training and practicing to run the race. Don't let me start preaching yet. So you have all of these poles to be a little bit lighter shoe, a little bit softer sock, a little bit better gummy, chewy thing that you don't know what's going to do to your gut by mile seven. I'm just talking, being honest here. But the coach says, wear what you trained in. Eat what you trained with. Run with the socks, the shoes, even the shorts and the shirts that you train with, or you will deeply regret it on race day. Are you tracking with me? You can be wowed. You can appreciate all the gadgets and gizmos, but on race day, your race that you run and how you accomplish that race and complete that race is going to be the result not of a gadget or a gizmo or a gimmick. It's going to be because you gave yourself to the process of training. You gave yourself to the long and arduous and unflashy, unimpressive, that grueling five-day-a-week regiment to run, to train, to diet, to stretch, to get enough sleep, to get enough water. You can't show up at the expo and think, oh, cool, if I get that Ironman watch, then somehow I'll finish the race. And come on, somebody, if there's anything that COVID-19 has done, it's not revealed something that you, you're surprised by who you were or how you were training. All it's done, something new, it's, it's brought who we really are to the surface of our heart and life. And for some of, that, some of us, that's like, oh, man, those Twinkies aren't going to cut it for the race ahead. Amen. And I realize that the test and the trial, it doesn't so much reveal things we didn't know were there. It certainly can be that. But it really just brings to the surface that, that the, it manifests sort of how we've been training, what we've been prepared to accomplish. Don't add anything new on race day or you'll get blisters, chafing, or worse. You may even get an injury. And how many believe that we are in a day... Not where the church is meant to reach for the newest gadget or gizmo or gimmick, but we're back to square one of learning how to train to be a people who love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. 
How many believe that's the ultimate race and the ultimate battle is what you love because what you love is what you become like? Put another way, simply, you become what you behold. And it's a beautiful day, church, Cornerstone Church and church in America, to behold again our beautiful Jesus and King and to allow him to have the conversation one facet of your life at a time and for him to simply ask the question, am I your first love in that place? And if not, then we've got training to do. How many believe we've got some training to do as the people of God? Seven of you believe that. Praise God. But the the beautiful thing is that we're not just training to accomplish a 26.2 mile race. We are in a race to glory. We are in a race, we're in a journey. Psalm 84 talks about the, the pilgrimage of faith for, where we overcome the various sins, snares, and struggles, and idols, and ideologies, and voices that pull for our heart and our affection. We are in a race that the Lord Jesus fully intends to enable and empower us to make it all the way to the end, not limping or crawling, but victorious and full of faith and full of life and full of love by His Spirit and by His grace. There's a race marked out for us. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's a race marked out for us. And it's way, way, way longer than 26.2 miles. Can I get an amen? It's way longer than 26.2 miles. There is a beautiful race called the journey of faith. And church, beautiful church, Cornerstone Church, it's a race that I want to to be a part of preparing us in. All of us. All of us. It says this in Hebrews 12, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders say hinders, and the sin that so easily entangles. Hinders and entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let me say that last part again. So that you will not grow and lose heart. You know, I just was reading a a statistic that, um, you know, there was an initial groundswell of people when, when sort of churches got shut down a little bit and how we gathered change, that there was an initial swell of people checking in online. But now, after we've been in coronavirus season, you could Google it. It's one of the latest uh, State of the Church Barna reports that one in three believers have not yet made it back to some sort of fellowship. And I'm here to tell you that that, that we're in a day where, where attending church is not just going to be transactional, what's in it for you, what's in it for me, it's going to become a necessity so that you don't grow weary or lose heart. To be in mutually encouraged and built up in the Word and 
to worship with brothers and sisters, be it online or in person. And, and there is a great day where, where weariness is beginning to set in, where people's hearts are beginning to be weighed down with the cares and the stress and the anxiety and the worry of the day. And there is an invitation and a door that's open before us, beloved, where we just stand as a people and say, we refuse to grow weary or lose heart. Because there's a race marked out for us. For us. Did you know that you have a race marked out for you? And the beautiful thing about running the race of faith on the path of the gospel with Jesus Christ as our pioneer and pace setter, the beautiful thing about running that race is there are a whole bunch of coaches on the sidelines who've already ran it and are encouraging us and have wisdom for the journey ahead. Did you know why I love the Bible so much and why many of you love the scriptures? That It says in Romans chapter 15 verse 4 that, that one of the reasons the scriptures are so important for your life of faith is that everything that's written in them are to produce endurance and encouragement and hope as you read about those who've gone before you. The reason, you know, it's not just to know cool facts about God. It's to strengthen you in your inner place and to remind you of the ultimate story, that remind you of where history is headed, to remind you that even though the media creates a narrative of everything out of control, that there is a sovereign king and ruler at the center of the story who is going to come to right all wrongs, who's going to come and dismantle everything that sets itself up in its pride and haughtiness against his decrees and lordship. And this week, as I was away all week, I had a really beautiful time just doing my Bible reading program. And I couldn't wait just to come talk to you about how just becoming a person of consistency in the place of the word will probably revolutionize your walk and race of faith more than anything else. Just someone who's consistent. Consistent. Who wants to grow in consistency? Raise your hand. So, Father, I pray right now just to hit pause. Lord, if, if we're training for a race, if I pray for a grace, even now before the end of the talk, Lord, of your Holy Spirit to draw us and to anoint us for the training that you have for us this fall. To become a people who, who are, are going to grow in their fitness, in the Spirit, by your grace, to run well. No matter how crazy the terrain may be before us in these next few months, Lord, we want to have strength by the Spirit, by giving ourselves to this training process, that Lord, when it comes time, to scale the heights, Lord, there's another gear that your people have discovered in the training place, secret place. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. There's a race marked out for us, and we've got coaches and encouragers. We have the scriptures to inspire and produce hope and endurance. Again, Romans chapter 15. And I just want to land the plane here over the next few minutes. I want to talk about those two words, hindrances and sins. Hindrances and sins. Now, I think that they're, they can be the same thing. First of all, what's a hindrance? A separation, a blockage, a hindrance. 
The writer of Hebrews say, throw off everything that hinders. Now, I don't know about what, you know, I see some people who run with weights. I run about five or six days a week, and I, I don't know if I'd have the capacity to carry extra things on my run. Can I get an amen? But many believers, many of us on the journey in the race of faith, we have so many things in our hands, so many distractions, that it would be like tying a four backpacks on your back and all of your extremities full of things, and then you're still trying to run the race. Can you see the word picture here? We're called to run. We're called to train, to be fit, to give ourselves to the training necessary so that when the, we're in the race and when the test and the trial comes, we're prepared to step in with faith and to overcome. And I think so many of us, and rightfully so, we declare war on the big bad sins, the big ones, but yet we make allowance for little hindrances. Am I talking to anybody besides myself? You guys need to help me out here if you're in person. We declare war on sin. We get the, we get the general call to pursue holiness and to live an upright life, but we tolerate hindrances, those things that, you know, after the final analysis, they're neither really good or really bad. They're just blah. Does anybody have any blah in their life? I mean, I'm talking about like, I'm, I'm just throwing some things out there. These are not the law. <laughs> but like, Netflix binges. Don't let me talk about Netflix binges. I'm going to stop right there because I don't want to offend anybody here. And because I've given in to a Netflix binge here or there on the documentary series. I'm talking about those things that just suck up your time. Come on, somebody. Those, those hindrances, those things that it's neither here nor there, but before you know it, four hours have gone by and you are now a statistic that says the average American watches five hours of TV a day. Oh, hindrances. Like, I don't, where am I supposed to have time to, like, posture myself before the Lord and to, like Katie said last week, to get oil in my lamp and to be filled with love? I, I don't have time. You say, I'm not a bad person, but if you did an investigation of your life, maybe there are hindrances in your life that are blocking the flow of God's grace that he wants to empower and enable you to not just be a survivor, but to be an overcomer by faith. I'm thinking hindrances, sin can sort of block our vision of God. Hindrances are like, they're like bins in the journey. We're again, neither here nor there, perhaps, but what I'm most interested in, yes, is bringing our sin and saying, Holy Spirit, cleanse, and blood of Jesus, wash, and make me new, make me holy, make me pure. But what if in these days the Lord's like, I want to talk about the hindrances? To me, Hindrances are those things that leave my heart indifferent. Has anyone ever struggled with indifference or apathy besides me in a large way? It's those things that, 
that kind of dole our senses to the reality that we really are, like we've been talking about for weeks, that we're in a battle. It's those things that you reach for when you feel lonely. Come on, somebody. That can be sin, but a lot of them are hindrances, I think. It's those things that you reach for when you're discouraged. Maybe some of the hindrances are those, those things you give yourself to first thing in the morning. It was amazing. I was talking to somebody in our church, and, and this person mentioned just being filled with anxiety and, 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 and some worry. And this person finally was like, you know what? I'm not going to just sit before the TV and watch the news all day. And the testimony of this person was, oh my gosh, the peace of God in my life has exponentially increased. Pastor Chad, is it bad to sit and watch the news? No, but can it be a hindrance? Are you tracking with me? Listen, the days are so difficult. We don't have time for hindrances. We certainly don't have time for sins. Okay, the outright, the outright breaking of God's law and covenant, we don't, that's death. But hindrances are like a sickness toward death. That was good right there. It's like catching a cold before the cancer. It's like hindrances. You're, you're off your game. You're not sharp. You're not ready. Has anyone ever tried to run or exercise after a huge meal? <sighs> That's, that's a hindrance, right? What if we heeded this word this morning of Hebrews chapter 12? Throw off the hindrances and the sins that so easily entangle. Let us run the race marked out for us with perseverance, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Everything that hinders, here's what I put in my notes. Everything that hinders passion, anything that hinders a heavenly perspective, everything that hinders the first thing that I pursue, all of those things are in the category of a hindrance and they're not worth my time or my energy, my affection or my energy. Can I get an amen? And I just feel like we're in a day as we turn our head kind of coming out of the back end of summer and we look to a fall season before us to just sound the alarm, to offer the invitation to us as God's people to stand in this passage of Hebrews 12 and say, you know what? Lord, not only am I going to give you my sins that can so easily entangle But Lord, I don't even want to get there. I want to just have a conversation about hindrances first. Lord, I want to step out of apathy. Lord, I want to step out of indifference. I want to step out of survival mode. Listen, I'm not bashing anybody. There, There is, this has been a wild ride these last four or five months. So there's no shame for, I'm, you know, the Netflix binges. Praise God that you're still standing. Amen. Do you hear me as your pastor? There's not, a, there's not a stone in my satchel that I can throw at you that I've not yet been hit with first. Amen. But as we begin to negotiate a, a new season that we're entering into, the Lord wants to have this conversation with us. 
Will you give me your hindrances so I can do a new thing in you and prepare you for the road ahead? I do not want to allow any hindrance that deafens or dulls the voice of the Spirit. I don't want to allow anything that cripples my affection and adoration of Jesus. And I don't want to live with the feeling that my heart is always wanting, craving, longing, but is never satisfied because it's always being hindered by lesser pursuits and loves. Jesus said this right towards the end of his ministry before the cross. Be careful. Say that with me. Be careful. Turn to your neighbor and say, be careful. Verse 34 of Luke 21. Or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and the anxieties of life. And that day, the day of the Lord, when he comes again, will close on you suddenly like a trap. Just say that again. Be careful. Be careful. That great passage of Proverbs 4.23, above all else, what does it say? Guard your heart, for from it flow the very issues of life. All of life flows from the inside out. And so today, the simple part one of this preparation series as we look to the fall is to just ask, Holy Spirit, are there hindrances in my life that I'm either aware of or unaware of? And would you come and breathe life and give me a step, a practical step to come out of hindrances, certainly to stop being entangled by maybe there's a sin or a habit on your life, so you're ready to be trained for the race and the road ahead. I love Paul most of the time when he agrees with me. Just kidding. He says in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, Do you not know that in a race all of the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Hear this, verse 26, such a good word. Therefore, I do not run around like someone aimlessly, and I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. Can you see it? Come on, everybody box the air with me so I'm not the only one that looks stupid. I don't run aimlessly, and I don't fight beating the air. But I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, so after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. And friends, whether you like it or not, you and I are in a season of training. Listen, unlike the luxury of emailing LA Marathon and signing up to run our waste, you and I do not have a choice in the matter. We are being trained, shaped, discipled, and formed towards some end and purpose the only thing you and I get to choose is what end or purpose that is. That's the only, all of us are in this season. And I want to be a, a, a church and a people that we give ourselves to that first ministry, which is training our loves to love God with all that we are, to love our neighbor as ourselves, to love who God is. Everyone say who he is, what he's done, what he loves, and how he loves. That's the training. That's the training that we're in. And I, I said it earlier, the fire and the pressure and the tests and the trials, 
will not uncover something that wasn't already there. It will reveal what was there and bring it to the surface. Let me say it again just so you don't miss it. This is the, the real issue. The fires, the pressure, the testing, and the trial will not uncover something that wasn't already within you. It will simply reveal it and bring it to the surface. And that does not have to scare you. There's a good sense of being in awe and wonder of the greatness of God. But it, my prayer this morning is that it would alert and awaken you to say, whoa, I may not be able to control tomorrow. I can't even control an hour from now, but I can say yes to the training and the fitness that the Spirit is drawing me into in this season so that in the days ahead, I'm not limping up the hill. I'm able to be a leader and a pioneer to those around me and say, hey, because I've been training and preparing for this very hour, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. Say that with me. Follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. And I have so focused this fall. Like I wish we could just, I, I, I'm so passionate about uh, be training us on how just to have that relationship with the Lord. It's so simple. But again, it's like the marathon expo. All the gimmicks and gizmo. But the thing that's going to get you to the end is that you are connected to a person, the man Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's... <laughs> I mean, yeah, you could be smart, but it's always going to come back there. And then here's the last verse, Philippians 3. This is a great encouragement. Not that I've already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. Come on, say that. I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Come on, I haven't crossed the finish line yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining towards what, ahead, what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And the number one by far, by a thousand percent, the number one race killer is disordered love, misplaced love. We're not primarily, this is James K.A. Smith, the brilliant philosopher and theologian. We're not primarily brains with a stick, uh, brains on a stick. We're not just what we think. We're not even just what we feel, but we are what we love, that God has placed eternity in our hearts. He's put those longings of our heart that are all meant to find their place in him. And as the great fourth century and as the great theologian Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they find their home or their rest in you. They're just restless. They're, we're, we're, we're creatures of desire, of passion, of longing, and of hunger. And the Lord says, that's the training I want to go into this fall with you. I want us to train our love so that we love him we experience his love for us. We begin to love him in return. We begin to love what he loves. We begin to love how he loves. And we begin to love who he loves, how he loves, through his love. That's the training that we're in. It's a great training. It's a beautiful training. And like I learned, it's way better to train with others than train alone. Can I get an amen? So without beating the horse or whatever. 
That's what this fall is about to me. Doing the best we can to connect in coronavirus season. But I can almost nail it down singularly to say to train each other in our loves. To just give ourselves to this first commandment, calling to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves so that we can look to our left and our right. And maybe your pace is a little faster than mine, but at least we're running on the same track toward the same goal. With the grace of God at our back, the Spirit of God energizing every step that hits the pavement. Come on, who wants to throw off every hindrance and the sins that so easily entangle? And I want you to know that you can do that this morning. You can throw off hindrances. You can. You can throw off and confess sins that have entangled your life. And you will meet a God not with a grimace, scowl, or a growl, but with love in his eyes to say, I am so happy that you've chosen to exchange your barrenness and brokenness and sin so I can clothe you with my forgiveness, my righteousness, and my holiness. So if that's you, if that's connected with your heart in any way, you say, Chatty, I, I want to throw off those hindrances, and I want to I sign up for training again. Just stand on your feet with me. You say, Chad, I, I don't just have hindrances. Maybe you've got some heavy sins that you've either been done against you or that you've committed. You just say, I got nowhere to go but to, to the cross to lay these sins before the Lord Jesus. And it says this in 1 John chapter 1. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. Therefore, confess your sins one to another. James chapter 5, and you will be forgiven. And so, Father, we just bring those things in our life before you. Just, Holy Spirit, search me. Like David prayed in Psalm 139, search me and know me. Test my thoughts, my anxious thoughts. Lord, reveal any hindrances to the flow of your grace. Would you reveal those hindrances, Lord? And as you reveal them, Holy Spirit, would you give us a next step? Again, there's so many things we cannot control. But we can control where we set our gaze and affection. We can control what we give ourselves to, beloved. Don't believe the lie that everything's spinning and everything's out of your control and it's all at a higher office and a higher... Listen, beloved, you, by the grace of God, can partner with Jesus for your heart to be alive in his love. And so right now, just begin to confess those hindrances right where you're at. I'm going to get off the mic just for a few moments. Those hindrances are those easily entangling sins. Let's just do work with the Holy Spirit as a, as a family today.
I tell you what, when you know that there's a race day coming, you live differently. Can I get an amen? So right now I want to pray. Let's just cry out to the Lord. Lord, show us that there is an actual day coming when you will return. Can you just ask for a prayer? Lord, make me aware that there's a bigger story that's happening all around me and within me. That the one who came is the one who will come again. Jesus Christ, would you show us and alert us and awaken us to the reality of the days in which we live? Holy Spirit, awaken my heart to the race that you're calling me to run. Show us, God. Show us your glory. Thank you, God. And let's just do this. What if we, what if we did this together? What if we did an experiment this week? Who wants to do an experiment? Raise your hand. I didn't tell you what the experiment was. Are you ready? (laughs) What if we did this? What if we gave the Lord this week the first 10 minutes of our day to him? Is that unfair, Pastor Chad? Is that not fair? I started with 10 minutes. It could be five. But what if this week we gave ourselves, instead of starting our day back into our regular rhythms and routines and patterns and maybe hindrances right at the beginning of our day, what if we said as a church community, watching online and in person, as a church, we're saying the first 10 minutes of our day are the Lord's. just 10 minutes to start, just to say, Lord, we're in training. We're in training. We're in a race. And it's amazing to be wowed by the expo and all the gimmicks and tricks and things around us that promise us the good life, that promise us success, promise us happiness, promise us joy. But we know that we were made for the race called faith. We were made for this journey called following the Lord. We were made to be alive by the Spirit of God. And so, Lord, I pray this week we would just have an experiment. And if we miss a day, we'll just get at it at lunch or whatever it is. No shame. But, Lord, we want to devote the first 10 minutes of our day this coming week to you. And so I thank you, Jesus. I bless your name. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, right now for bringing victory in people's life. Thank you, Lord, that you're forgiving sin, that you're healing even now, Lord, that place of weariness. We bless your name this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anybody here as we go? We're doing so good on time, but you would just want someone to pray for you. Can you just lift your hand? If you just want someone to come near you, they can stay within six feet. That's fine. If you see a hand raised, can you just come? There's something about being prayed for specifically. If you're by somebody that has a hand raised, I just always want to give people a chance to honor space. But come on, brothers. 
There's a brother here right here in the middle. Let's come pray. There's a sister up here. Anybody else, just before you go, you would love a person to personally pray for you. We've got some sisters over here by the car. Sisters, let's go over here and pray. Thank you so much for moving, ladies and men. I just always want to give us a chance to pray for each other, to honor space, but And as we go, maybe some of you are like, Chad, I wouldn't know what to do with 10 minutes. That scares me to death. I raise my hand. Here's, try this. Let's read the letter of 1 John. It's right at the end of your Bible. It's right before the book of Revelation. It's so many people's favorite book in the Bible, including yours truly. It's only five chapters long. Five chapters. The book of 1 John. You say, Chad, what do I do for 10 minutes? I just committed to 10 minutes in the morning. Let's go through 1 John together. Here's how you can do it. Ready? Here's 10 minutes. Three minutes, read your Bible. Who can do that? Three minutes. Who thinks they can do that? Three minutes. Look at me. Three minutes. For three minutes, have a piece of paper. Write down what you saw about what you learned about God, what you learned about the gospel, what, what stood out to you. Who, who thinks they could maybe write, even if they write one word, they could use three minutes just to reflect on what they read. Amen? Amen? And then for three minutes, for three minutes, does anyone have any stress in their life? Any difficulty? Any people who are stressful or difficult? For three minutes, just bring all of your concerns before the Lord. All those things that you think about, that you feel, that you're fighting for, your family, your workplace. And then you get one extra minute. Maybe it can go a little longer than a minute. You can just begin to praise God for who he is. But Chad, how do I know who he is? You just read about him. Amen. And we have an extra little tool called, you know what he's like by looking at Jesus. Jesus is the full expression of who God the Father is. So you just, Jesus, show me who you are. I'm telling you, that's a 10-minute training exercise. I, I'm so serious without being a salesman. Well, it can revolutionize your life just by learning to turn your attention and your heart to the Lord first thing in the morning. And so, Lord, I just thank you for this week. I pray that it would be playful. Yes, there's discipline and training, but I pray this week that you would start a new chapter in our church, a new chapter in our lives, as we give ourselves and our hearts to this training to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. to be able to say to those around us, follow me as I'm learning to follow Jesus. And we all said amen and amen. And